Creating better businesses with Discovery Business Insurance. Hey everyone, welcome to the Healthy Business Show brought to you by Discovery Business Insurance. Seed funding is often a make or break opportunity for a business. Today we're speaking to Alexandria Proctor, founder and CEO of Digs Connect, a startup that began in university and a year later received the largest seed round of a student startup in South African history. Alexandria Proctor, it's so good to see you again. Such a pleasure and so great to also have seen the, the arc of your journey this year. It's been amazing. It's been a hell of a year. Hey? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's been so fun. It's been crazy. Um, you know, starting at the beginning of the year, just the three of us, me, Brendan and Greg, and now there's 13 of us. Wow. I mean, our client base has grown much bigger. We're in a bunch of new cities. We're just in Cape Town, I think, beginning of the year now. We're in, what, 17 different cities around the country. Oh, that's amazing. Before we get to the kind of practical bits, I just wanted to get a sense of, of you and, and just some of the, the, the kind of early stories of young Alex and what <laughs> made you, I mean, you're still very young. Can you talk about maybe your character during school and what were you like and, what, you know, what, what kind of formed this, uh, the Alex of today, which is sure. an entrepreneur? I think I've always been a bit of a menace. Like, <laughs> okay, there's have, clearly some stories there. <laughs> it just started just, I think, a lot of energy. I have a lot of energy as a person. I don't know where it comes from, but almost like exploding suns. What's your hometown? Stuff. Where were you from? Port Elizabeth, actually. Oh, okay. Where did so, you go to school? I went to school at St. George's. Okay. Um, but PE at St. George's is a very small place. So all this energy was like not to my advantage as a child. I mean, I was constantly getting in trouble for talking too much or jumping up in class or running around and not a very well-behaved child. I remember a story from when I was in grade one. I went to school a year early, so I was five in grade one. And I got actually, uh, I was paying attention at being the youngest person in the history of my school. It's like 150 years old to go to attention in that grade one. That is hilarious. And so the accolades were, were starting back even then. <laughs> it wasn't accolades. I think everyone was deeply concerned. I mean, P is a small place. And it was like all oh, that practical <laughs> detention in grade one, not good at all. I think my parents were like traumatized by the news. <laughs> but in the so. Steve Jobs sense, kind of connecting the dots backwards, I, I think that kind of makes sense, right? That that rebellious nature is inherent in many. Entrepreneurs, in absolutely. I think it's a disdain for authority. It's kind of like not a, a mistrust, but it kind of like you look at the status quo, you look at the state of the world, and you kind of just want to say like, why are things being done this way? It doesn't make sense. It's not the best way of doing things. It's not, you know, the most efficient or the most fun or the most fabulous way of doing things. Like I can do it better. You know, I know I can. I think to believe in yourself, to know that you can see a solution and kind of like the audacity sure. to like to shake up the status quo, to shake up the way things are done and believe that you can like as an individual change the way that, that things are working right now, you know? And kind of like questioning authority. And absolutely. How, how important do you think that is to being a, a, an entrepreneur? I think even as a human being, it's important. You know, I think sure. that democracies only work when people are holding everyone to account. Accountability is the most important thing in, in business and in, and in government. And just as a human being, you know, to hold everyone to account, to say like what you say and what you do, like you have to, like you have to justify that, you know? And I think when, as an entrepreneur, if you're looking at the world around you, um, and you're seeing the way things are done and you just don't like it. I mean, everyone loves complaining. I say, but especially South Africans, <laughs> I think the great unifier of our country is that everyone complains yeah. about everything. And it's fantastic. Which is great. <laughs> and I agree with you. I mean, thanks to our constitution, we are able to, to speak complain. truth to power, right? We can hold yeah. our, our leaders to account. And that's the only way we can improve as a society and as a humanity is to say, we look around the world, we say, this is actually 
like not done very well. We don't like the way this is done. It's inefficient. It's wasteful, whatever it is. Um, it's unfair or unjust. Let's make it better. So we, like, we talk about it, we complain about it, we debate about it. And it's fantastic. We have these robust conversations, but then we have to go the next step. And what I really want to do is impress upon South Africans, especially young South Africans, that the power is in your hand as an individual to make those changes. I mean, for example, like we all complain about, I don't know, let's say the state of energy in our country, about ESCOM, you know, like, rise up to the challenge, like build a better solution. And that's what entrepreneurship is. It's, it's finding a problem that a lot of people are facing. You like design a solution that makes your life easier mm. and you sell it on to other people. And if it adds enough value, people will pay for that. It's essentially mm. just a value exchange of solving problems that everyone is just frustrated about and paying for it. Sure. And that's what Dick's Connect is. Like everyone, like landlords struggle to fill their rooms and they're willing to pay to get people to, you know, fill their rooms. And students were struggling to find a place to stay. There's the value add right there. That's such a great perspective. And I think, you know, if, if I think about it, we had at Heavy Chef, we had a, a Silicon Valley entrepreneur come and stay, spend some time with us. And he was saying, you know, we, we have this, this mentality in South Africa of complaining about everything. But the reality is from an entrepreneur's perspective and an investor's perspective that, you know, entrepreneurs should love problems. Absolutely, you know? and absolutely. There's, there's money in those those solutions, there's right? There's money and, and there's meaning. I think like as a meaning of a life to like, yeah. to want to solve a problem, Yeah. especially the bigger the problem, the more exciting it is. And I think why Africa is such a cool place to live, to work, to build a company, because there are so many problems that are just like yeah. begging for a solution. It really is almost like blue ocean of just like problem solving. There's like sure. so much space for development of, sure. of software and like, you know, bricks and mortar development of processes and systems. Um, it's got the fastest growing population in the world. It's just like, it's almost like screaming opportunity at you. If you just have to have, you know, the boldness to step up and say, I'm going to like throw my lot into this. And I read sure. a really cool quote by Steve Jobs the other day, quoting Steve Jobs has to be the most cliche Steve thing. Is, is coming in hot in this, <laughs> in this podcast. <laughs> but he said that, um, remembering that you're going to die is the best way to, to kind of reinforce this yeah. notion that you actually have nothing to lose. Yeah. So like, why not? You see a problem, solve it. And solving that problem is probably the most rewarding thing you can do with your life. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I, th I think it's such a beautiful view on things. And in terms of being an entrepreneur, when did you then feel the first stirrings of that, that <laughs> this problem solving, this this kind of, uh, this itch started to... I mean, I wasn't thinking. Do you define this yourself is, now as an entrepreneur? I mean, well, you know, I never actually planned on being an entrepreneur at all. Like at all. I think even when I was, you know, when I first built the website as a side project when I was studying, I don't know where it actually happened. But when I started Dex Connect as a side project, I was still thinking, what am I going to do with my life for real? My parents were still, they still sort of call me and say, you know, when are you going to get a real job? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> when were you at the time of, of the inception of the idea? Um, I was in my third year at UCT. Okay. Um, it's because, so my plan what was were you to study biology and philosophy. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so the least entrepreneurial <laughs> subjects life you could imagine. and the lack of meaning <laughs> behind yeah. it all. Sure. Okay. Can you give us like the 30 seconds of what Digs Connect actually does? I mean, how do you mm -hmm. define it? If you had, if you, when you were pitching to investors at that stage, what did you, how did you def describe Digs Connect? Digs Connect is Africa's largest student accommodation marketplace. It's just a place where landlords can go and list their spare rooms, houses, flats, communes, digs, whatever it is, or buildings. Also with big private residents and property developers. I mean, one of our buildings has 2,000 beds. So they go on, they create listings for that um, on our website and our app. We've got an app on iOS and Android. Amazing. Students then go on and they can then filter through um, all these accommodation options. They can filter by location, price by the university. So you can actually type in, I'm at going to Vitz University, whatever it is. Um, filter by, you know, price, by amenities like Wi-Fi, by NISFIS. So the National Student Financial Aid Scheme funds about 800,000 students in South Africa. Wow. So it's a huge proportion of that. 
Um, you can filter by accreditation. Um, you can filter by community. So you see what the, sure. like, who else is staying at the building. Is it other UCT students? Is it other varsity college students? Whatever it is. Um, you go there, you connect on our platform. We're going to turn a messaging system. You can apply on our platform and basically just find a place to stay. Okay. The problem we're solving essentially is that landlords want to fill their rooms and students want to find a place to stay. Sure. Um, we have like other sort of like uh, additions to that. We have a find a roommate feature, which is really cool. We offer services to different universities and private colleges that are looking for a route to have a, like kind of like a, a database or a pool of accommodation options to offer their students that kind of trust the providers. Sure. So we provide that like that technology. That so I mean, it started them. out super simple. It's a place where you're connecting, you know, renters and tenants, and they would 100%. then connect on the platform. But it, it's it's now you know it's it's growing from that, which 100%. I guess is what you know, investors would have seen, they would have seen that, okay, you've created a real platform with yes. a real community and it's vibrant, it's dynamic, and it has potential to scale, not just vertically, but also, you know, in terms of broadly, it yeah. can look at all these different services. At what point did you realize, okay, Flip, this is now a side, the side mm. project is starting to become my main mm. gig? It's quite gradual. Like, I guess, obviously, it's time to drop out. I was dropped out my honors year in biology to to do it full time. I think you don't actually understand in like those very early days what lies ahead of you, which is good. I yeah. think if you understand how difficult it is, you probably won't do it. You know, you sit around with your friends or you sit around talking Did to someone. Did you map it out? I mean, was there Oh no, not at all. I was just like I was like, it was just like let's just wing this thing. <laughs> Literally, I was like the I built the website myself, very basically. It started getting some growth. And at what point did you then realize, okay, we need to evolve somewhat to actually, first of all, getting some money. I mean, we need, this has become such a, a big part of my life that we need to start having that conversation around investing and, and being investable. Yeah, when you start out, we're like, oh, in two months time, we're going to like be the next Steve Jobs and you realize it takes a bit longer than that. <laughs> so we started on the platform and myself and my business partners. So I've, I work with two incredible guys, Greg Keel and Brendan Ada, and they are just so we're, we're Greg and, and, and Brendan. I mean, I've, I've met them before yes. and they're such cool guys. They're incredible. They are. I mean, were they there at the beginning? Were, they, were you guys actively involved in the conversations? How, in, how, how did it all start? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so I started by myself and then Greg joined and then Brendan joined after that. Um, and so we kind of were like bootstrapping ourselves. Sure. And we all had our own ways of making it work. So Brendan's family lives in Cape Town. So he moved it back to his family so he could save money and contribute cash like that. Yes. Greg had another business. He was running like a logistics trucking business and he was basically putting money from that into Dixconnate. And I put up a drywall down the middle of my apartment and I was renting half my apartment out Clever. on Dixconnate. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> and using Scratching your niche. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and using that. So we kind of were scraping together and we just, we wanted to be very careful with our money, get a really good ROI. So like, for example, when we did marketing, like the money drop at UCT, that 10,000 Rand took us three months to save up 10,000 Rand. The three of us were like hacking together. We were bootstrapping it. We were making it work. Um, and we just started, like slowly started realizing that this thing actually has some real legs. Sure. Like there's some like huge What did that feel there. like when you started realizing that? Were you like, yes, we're going to be rich. <laughs> <laughs> and you actually quite literally started throwing money out of the window, right? <laughs> Um, no, it was super exciting. It was like, we're doing something that really adds value to the world. And all of us are quite, I don't know, like, you know, we can be quite cynical sometimes, but um, I think deep down, we actually, we're quite like motivated by the human condition and about mm. kind of like furthering humanity and like progress with the capital P type thing. And this idea of like really solving a problem and, you know, changing the educational experience for students across this continent is such like a deeply moving one for all of us. 
that it was just exciting to know that we're doing something that really adds value to the world. That's it's meaningful work every day. Um, and doing with people that we love. Like I, I honestly truly love my team and I love my co-founders. So it was just like, let's let's give this thing the legs it deserves. Let's give the rocket fuel it deserves. And then we also worried a bit about competitors. So we yeah. had people approaching us before we decided to fundraise asking to invest. Um, and some were really cool and some were quite hostile. And people can be a bit like, you know, either work with us or we're going to do like a hostile takeover or like replicate what you're doing. And wow. yeah, it was quite hectic at first and a bit scary. But then you realize that talk is cheap. It all comes down to what you actually do about it. Everyone has great ideas around the bri, yeah. but it's about carrying it out. It's about day in and day out. Are you sitting there? Are you making it work? Are you figuring out? Luck finds you. When luck finds you at your desk, you've got a better chance of actually yeah. building a company as opposed to just uh, waiting 100%. for inspiration to strike. And I think as an investor, I look at what you've been saying. You're ticking a lot of boxes, even organically as you're speaking. You know, the fact that there's passion, the fact that you're solving a real problem, that there's a real need, that there's an organic you know, community and that it's, it's scaling hmm. almost beyond your control, right? So yeah, it's, kind of, it's just kind of, <laughs> you're like holding on for the ride, which is amazing, right? And so there was a time that you suddenly realized, Flip, okay, yeah. we need investment, right? So can, I just want to, you know, because we're trying to focus on that and get practical about yes. that. Can you talk to some of the different options that are available to, uh, a, you know, a young startup that, that's going through what you, you yeah. went through? Yeah, so we sat there, you know, we had the conversation, three of us, one evening at the office, we were like, you know, maybe we should look at, you know, getting some investment, getting some serious cash into this, expanding our team, hiring more, because, you know, salaries and developer salaries especially are quite pricey. So, like, you know, hiring a team out, paying some serious money into marketing, some serious money into ops and getting this thing nationwide across the world. Um, so, we need some capital for that. So, yeah, there's a few options. You can look at getting a loan. Okay. Um, Loans are tricky and... So it would be through like, like a, a bank, bank, for example. Yeah, yeah, a bank or through family members. Yeah. Um, there's obviously, then there's the, the classic one, which is like uh, equity. So you get like, you know, you exchange equity of your company for money. Sure. Um, those are like the, I don't know, the options. There's also, you know, do you get the slow way where you just like, you know, you slowly generate Organically revenue. Organically go through it, yeah. yeah. But if you're a fast-moving, scaling company that... You know, that doesn't seem like such a, a an attractive option, right? Yeah, I think it depends on the nature of your business. So like being a, you know, we're a marketplace um, that, you know, only really works at scale. You have to have options. You have such a variety, such a diversity of students and like land on South Africa that you have to have multiple options per student. You know, you have everything from someone who wants to spend 1,500 rand a month to someone who wants to spend 12,000 rand a month, you know, sure. on accommodation. So it's having all those options. So we need to grow really fast. Um, and also just because the nature of how tech works in South Africa or in, in the world is that it's quite easy to replicate. So you have to go fast to kind of get that, you know, that first move advantage. Power is in the network, right? So mm. you start to get the network effect, which yeah, then 100%. creates a moat around your 100%. business. So yeah, so we start looking to raise money. And when it comes to getting investment, I mean, obviously money is the one part of that. You want to make sure you can, you know, pay for cool marketing and pay for cool, like, you know, um, like team members and stuff. But it's more than just that. You're looking for, you know, we're all super young. You know, our team is under the age of 25. So you're looking for, for a bit of guidance, a mm. bit of like, you know, wisdom that comes with age, a lot of experience. Um, obviously, the network is huge. Mm. It's, you know, people say that business isn't about what you know, but who you know. Yeah. And I think to an extent that is quite true. Like if you try to, you know, say you're trying to broker a deal with someone and if you go through the front door, you have to fight your way up. You can do it. Um, and a few times I had to go through the front door and fight my way up. Mm. But if you know someone who knows someone who can get you a meeting, you know, with the CEO, it just makes things a lot easier. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so having, having a network, having those connections, having guidance, having community, having like a sounding board. Sometimes you don't need someone to tell you what to do, but you just need to speak out loud and have someone kind of like guide your thoughts a little bit. 
Um, so we're looking for all of that from investors, you know. So it's it's kind of like a group package. You want someone to be like a partner with you, walk the journey with you. Like it's such a valuable point. So it's not just about the money. It's it's also about the experience, 100%. the network, and uh, the, the right, connections. Yeah. The right connections can be worth way more than your best ever be a worth. A cultural fit, I guess. Hundred percent, definitely. I mean, you have to get on with each other. If you're doing business together, yeah. You know, there's going to be some like highs, but a lot of lows. Sure. And I think the lows really show the strength of your connection with someone and. You want investors that you feel as strongly about them as you do with your business partners, you know, a really strong connection. And I think the thing we got so lucky with is that our investors are so cool. Like <laughs> we WhatsApp each other all the time, like memes and, oh, cool. <laughs> and we just chat and they are, they're wise and they're helpful and they just, like, they, they kind of, they really trust us as entrepreneurs. They say, you know, we believe in your vision. We're going to support you to do that. We just want to remove obstacles from your path. Like, what are you struggling with and how can we help you get there faster? Okay, that's amazing. So it's really kind of smoothing that that ride and, and making sure that you've got a sort of natural momentum that starts mm. to happen. But also it's kind of like, it's it's kind of like having, like say you're the small kid in the playground, but your best friends are the biggest kid, you know? It's kind of like that in a sense where it gives you that. <laughs> That's such a great analogy. So do you, do you have the big guy? We've got the big guy in our okay. corner, you know, and it just helps a lot with, you know, because kind of the nature of business sometimes people, like people can straighten you sometimes and be like, oh, well, we're going to like, um, we're going to create a competitor and like totally wipe you out yeah. or uh, it's just it's a bit rough out there. The bigger you get, the more kind of resistance you face. Sure. When you when you're disrupting a market, you inevitably or invariably start to get a bit of like pushback sometimes. And having you know someone who can really pack a punch in your corner just yeah. gives you a lot of peace of mind. Yeah. Like we have guys who just are in incredibly strong position, um, and it gives you a lot of peace of mind. You know, as a as a scrappy little startup, that you know you actually have some serious like. Some, some punch. Yeah, you got a bit of weight behind you. I mean, you got lucky. And I think that's, I mean, that's a great, great story for you guys. But when you, you know, before the investment happened, what was that process like? Did you knock on a, a number of doors? Did you knock on different doors? What yeah. were those doors? How old was your business when you did start knocking on doors? Um, about a year. Okay. So, so after a year, you decided you needed investment. Yeah. And so what was the, what were the first steps? So the first, what you want to do is, well, the first thing is that the VC markets, that was quite small. Everyone knows everyone. So once you start pitching, word kind of gets out. So another point in that is important so to have a really good reputation. you specifically went VC. Not necessarily, actually. So we kind of, the first thing we did is we knew that we knew what we were good at and we were good at our business and we knew what we were bad at. And we weren't really strong financially at that point. So we had to reach out for help. Mm. And so we started like speaking to people and realizing, you know, who can help us with our fundraise? Who's really good at doing things like discounted cash flows and projections, the financial projections and models and that kind of stuff and help us. Like we had this crazy, like, you know, idea, the startup that was growing, we had language, we had students, we had marketing, we had tech. How do we sort of package this in a way that is nice to look at? You know, we can actually pull yeah. it apart and take all this, like, you know, this energy and put it in a nice little, you know, PowerPoint presentation that goes through the slides <laughs> yeah, and yeah. pretty grass and all of yeah, that. Yeah. We just had this, like, wild horse and we wanted to kind of make it like a show pony, you know, for a bit. Yeah. yeah. And so we started speaking to different people and eventually we met this really incredible guy um, named Simon Ellis. And he came from, he was working at Deloitte okay. in London, strong financial background, absolutely obsessed with startups, obsessed with startup culture. He had read all the books. He was like wild about it. And he joined our team for a few months. He got to know us, got to know operations. Um, he's become an incredible friend and advisor to us. He's such a cool guy. Um, and again, again, like a culture fit, but also like the skill fit. 
and he came on board and he just really helped us get everything together. And we spent more time preparing than actually doing the fundraise. It's kind yeah. of like if you just prepare properly, then when you sure. actually do it, it's so smooth. And then did that help with your confidence? So oh, when you went in, you definitely. felt like a little bit more cocky than you would have. You weren't <laughs> as, you know, your show pony was ready for display kind of thing. I think the most important thing is just like, you know your business better than anyone. So yeah. like, I mean, doing it day in, day out, every day, like there's not a question you're going to ask that wouldn't know. So it's kind of like if you... Yeah, I just, I just, I know the topic really well. I know the subject material. It's, it's my life. My company yeah. is my life. So it's easy to answer questions. And investors, it. they, they want to see that. They want to see that you personally are invested in your business yeah, before 100%. they invest in the business, 100%. right? And the cool thing about going for pitching also is that people ask you questions that you may have not asked yourself already. So it shows you where the value is. Like people yeah. will say, like say you consider, you know, all the aspects of your business and you think you know, you know, what will create a successful company, but you go to an investor and they, they've got a very specific outcome they're going for. So they will ask you questions to allude to that outcome. And if you haven't thought about that, it gives you really good food for thought. And mm. then the team I would go back after and be like, that's actually a really good point. Like, what do we think about this? Like, how does the company answer this question? Or how's it working towards this kind of place? Um, and so it's just, it's a really great learning experience more than anything. I think everything is a learning experience. Uh, uh, getting to the point of then you, you were now in front of investors that you liked and they liked you. What, what did that process look like? Yeah. So after we did the, so Simon came to our team. Um, he worked in a really cool pitch deck. We did all the numbers, um, prepared for it. And then you just start sending out emails. Literally, okay. you just start reaching out to, I mean, you literally just Google some cases yeah. or through yeah, the yeah. network. I mean, there's some guys that are very well known. Yes. Some of the venture capital guys, you know, like Knife Capital and, and so on. And yeah, they, 100%. You, they, you know, they would be top of the pops. And then you kind of go through these, uh, these Quite a, an extensive you know, there's a range of people of with a lot of money in South Africa, and I think that they are keen to invest in startups. You know, and I sure. found that the private sector in South Africa is actually incredible. Mm -hmm. They are world class business leaders in our country, and I think building a company in tough conditions makes you world class. And what you do is when you start speaking to VCs, because everyone knows everyone, they know like you know the backers, they know the front end guys, um, and everyone has their portfolio of companies they want to invest in. So sometimes people are generalists and they invest in anything, but sometimes people are specifically looking for, I don't know, prop tech or looking for health tech or fintech or whatever it is. Yeah. So they'll say, listen, it's actually not our portfolio, but chat to these guys. So as long as you're like authentic and you're yourself and you, you talk about your company, they'll be like, it's really cool. Maybe not for us, chat to these people or come back next week with this, these answers. So you just have to go there and just give it a best so shot. So you're knocking on doors and you start going down the, the rabbit hole and people start giving you directions. Mm. And so eventually you got to a 100%. point where, I mean, did you, was it immediate kind of fits? Did you realize? Okay. Yeah. So we had a few offers on the table, um, some really, really good ones. We're chatting to people and yeah, it was awesome. But I always say that raising money is kind of like dating, you know, it's all about the connection. <laughs> and you kind of, yeah, we, we sat down with these guys and, um, we actually we had like a we had a really good offer on the table before we met them and we're going to go ahead and we're going to like sign for that offer and we're going to fly to Jobo to do everything and literally that morning before our flight um, someone called us and said hey do you just have half an hour to come chat to us and we were like oh, we actually you know we're very busy right now <laughs> You're like the <laughs> people so everyone to you it's like, well I'm busy but we popped over for a bit and straight away there was like literally it was chemistry straight away like we just we spoke about our company and what we we're doing and the vision and you know the the, the problem that we we're solving in the market and these guys were just like they're asking the right questions and they were so like excited about what we we're doing and and then literally within like you know half an hour he's like just hold on two seconds and then he called the rest of his partners over and everyone arrived and we just sat there and it was just it was so exciting it's like remember when you have that connection with someone like you know our myself Brent and Greg and our investors we just straight away there was a connection uh, we just gelled completely. And then literally within a week, we had like a term sheet on the table. 
um, almost immediately went into legals after that and wrapped it up very quickly. I mean, within like a month or so. Can you share with us who the, who the investors are? Um, they're a bit media shy. Okay. Um, they prefer oh, not to I mean, be known. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. But, it, but it's a venture capital firm, right? So um, Not venture capital, kind of. I know how to describe it. Loose collection of shadowy <laughs> investors. We'll, we'll leave it at that for now. But I think I, I wanted to ask you, what yeah. do you think made Digs Connect investable? I think you know, a few things. I think it's a few things that make it make it work. First of all, is that it's a it's a really well known problem. Student accommodation is in the news every single year in January. It's it's across all headlines. Student accommodation crisis, students are protesting, no student accommodation. Like it's a well-known issue that no one had really just tackled yet. No one mm. knew how to, how to grapple with it. I think it's because, so myself and Greg were both on the SRC, the Student Representative Council. Sure. So we had that kind of insider knowledge. We were like uniquely positioned almost to like, to tackle this issue. I mean, my role in the SRC was off-campus housing. So I was like on the inside dealing with this for a year. I knew exactly what the issue was. Um, we were all, you know, kind of like student age. So all our friends and school students, we knew we just were in that market, which helps a lot. We knew the problem. Uh, we had the solution. Uh, the, the data wasn't lying. I mean, you could see that people were signing up. Laddles were creating listings. Students were signing up. So that was a really good indicator. You know, we were growing month on month. Our growth in January was like 217% of student signups. January is definitely wow. our busiest season. So that helps a lot. Our team is really amazing. Like I know like you said, but Greg and Brendan are extraordinary. Yeah. Greg is, we start with Greg. He's the most competent person you've ever met. Like he's just on the ball. He's efficient. He cracks the whip. He's relentless. He's just a machine. Like he is, if he was in charge of ESCOM, it'll be profitable tomorrow. <laughs> I swear. That is he a very is, solid <laughs> reference. Greg That's is beautiful. amazing. He will fix any problem faster, better, cheaper than anyone I've ever met. Um, he's just extraordinary like that. And then Brendan is like a technical genius. He built our entire system. Like he, cause I built, you know, a very bad one. He rebuilt the entire thing world-class scalable in a month. This guy is a machine also. He works so hard. Like he's the last person to leave the office every single day. Plus he's running the tech team. He's just technically, he's obsessed technology. He reads about all the time. So you guys complement each other. I mean, your skills are ostensibly quite different to yeah, each very, other. I mean, very there's, different. there's a real kind of, um, it's like you, you puzzle pieces that just very different, yeah. but, but that you fit together That's really the luckiest nice, I think I ever got with my team because we are like, we're, we're so different, but we just still like are such good friends. So like, I'm kind of like the loud, crazy one with the ideas and I kind of struggle because I'm, I'm quite um, unfocused sometimes. I really struggle to put that into practice because I'd start doing one thing, start doing something else, start doing something else. And then I have a hundred things on the go and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so many things. It's so exciting. Whereas Greg can be like, okay, actually we need to focus. Like 19 hours of years are terrible. We can put yeah. them on a pin board for like 20, 30. <laughs> but for now- But it's part of the job of an entrepreneur to kind of throw spaghetti at the wall, right? Yeah. And then your team can kind of pull it all back exactly. again. And so then Greg would pick it up and be like, hey, listen, these two ideas are actually really good. So let's yeah. sit down, let's focus, and let's develop these two ideas. And we'd sit there and we like talk about this and this and how it's going to work and do some data and research. And Greg will then, he literally, he loves a spreadsheet. He'll get a document down. He'll get a spreadsheet. Down. He's going to plan it. Okay, phase one is going to take two months. We're going to do this and this and this. And he's just a machine. And then Brendan comes along and he's like, okay, cool. I can build this and this and this. Give me three weeks. And yeah, that's this, great. It just works. It just honestly works. How important works. do you think it is to be friends with your your business partners and your team? I mean, it just as a sort of... So off, friends is an interesting term. I think question. that friends, the role your friends provide in your life is kind of like your emotional support. Like I think of my friends outside of work. You kind of get together, have your glass of wine. They support you always. But they don't understand. <laughs> they don't understand the intricacies of running a business. We're and yeah, all business those partner. Sheer, 
it's a bit different because you have to be able to be very frank with each other. I yeah. mean, you have to be able to say, you know, if you're screwing up, you have to call each other out all the time. Um, you have to hold each other to account. You have to be able to have very frank discussions, hard discussions. You deal with money the whole time, so you have to be able to like. Yeah. I mean, I'm for example, and not like, to be too sensitive about it. Not right? sensitive at all. You have yeah. to have a thick skin. You have to laugh it off. For example, like I'm very very frugal. Like I hate spending money. And when it comes to, you know, working with a contractor or a marketing thing, we'll get a quote for it. And I will be like, no, half the price. It tends on the price. This is ridiculous. And we always like haggle about spending money. And you know, the guys like, we have to spend money to make money. We have to like put money into this budget to make it work. You, like, you pay for quality. And I'm like, no, half the price. So you have to have like this like push and pull where you can have very frank discussions. You can be very honest with each other. You can say this work isn't good enough. Work harder, work faster. We like, we push each other a lot to be better. You're a great CEO though. I mean, you're a spokesperson and a CEO should be a salesperson. They should be able to High really, <laughs> well, to, to sell the vision, you mm. know, to be able to articulate the vision in a way that's compelling to your yeah. audience. But I think that for some people, they just like, it doesn't work for some people, you know, some people sure. don't like, um, like the exuberance of it all. They, they, they want to, and especially because we're a very young team, Yeah. Um, a lot of, VCs only want to invest someone with like, you know, 10 years track record. We had like, you know, a couple months. Yeah. <laughs> First yeah. company straight out of varsity dropouts. So um, I think that, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're as, in, a, in a sense, supposed to say we're a high risk team. We're young, yeah. very energetic, not a lot of experience. We just happened to stumble upon an idea that you, was you, working. You're literally throwing money off balconies. We do some pretty cool marketing stuff. <laughs> our brand is, I mean, our brand is young, it's outrageous. And we and have to. talking to students. Exactly. Right? Talking so, to students. And so we have to kind of be relevant. And, it's just like in the 21st century, there is so much marketing. You go sure. on Instagram, you go like driving around. It's just like people are pushing messages in your face all the time. And they're generally boring and lame. And so the most important thing for us is to get students excited about our brand, get them engaging, um, kind of just yeah, make them love what we're talking about. And so like, how do we start a conversation about Digs Connect at universities? And because we're all ex-UCT, we thought let's start at UCT. So we had decided, we were thinking, you know, could we do posters on walls? We could do flyers. We could, um, I don't know, like do an event or something. And it just sounded so dry. I was like, God, oh, this is boring. Like, <laughs> who cares? If you see a fly on your windscreen, you're like, oh my word, like trash, you know, just like, wait, like it's ruining the planet. There's more trash in the bin, whatever it is. And so I think it was great actually sitting around at the office and I was like, let's like throw it out there, make a huge <laughs> thing about it. And then everybody was like, we're staple our flies to it though, so everyone knows what it's about. And then it's like, oh, let's sit on a building and do it. And it's like, okay, well, let's like do a whole build up though. So we don't just go there when there's like five people around throwing yeah. out. So like, let's actually do a whole build up. So then we like, I'll do something, you know? So then we kind of like huddle around a corner and then we start talking properly about this. And the idea kind of came out that we'll take 10,000 Rand in 10 Rand notes, we'll staple our flyers to it and we'd throw it out off a building into a crowd at UCT just to create like some hype around our to brand. To create havoc. <laughs> Again, this thread seems to continue throughout your life, Alexander. I mean, yeah. I mean Sean, this is so on havoc. I saw photos of, the, of that day. It's in, it was insane, right? So, I mean, yeah, so we actually planned the whole thing out very carefully. It wasn't like, you know, just drive there and do it. Once you decide, well, you did say you frugal, right? So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you, Greg you wanted got, to see the return. Absolutely that. good ROI. So they Greg got into his best Greg beast mode, and he planned the whole thing. Got a spreadsheet going, 
And he's like, we need to do a three-day build-up. We need to get the media excited. We need to live stream it. We need to get influencers involved. So we spoke to all the influencers on campus. We hired photographers to be you know, key strategic locations. We knew where to funnel the crowd. And we did. We were quite conscious of safety as well. We had safety officers in place. We had paramedics there. We had security. Cheapest. So it wasn't like it was going to be like, you know, free for all. Yeah. But um, when we got there, like there's the plan. But when you actually get there, things are always different. So the plan was to start the top five. I don't know if you know how you see works, but the top there kind of um, by like the food court. And then like run down the stairs, come through like around the outside of Jamie Plaza and then up by Jamie Plaza <laughs> for the money out there. So we mapped the whole thing out. I was wearing my, like, my running tackies. <laughs> I was ready for this. And as we got there, word had got out to everyone, right? So people were looking for Diggs Connect t-shirts that day. It was a three of us now Diggs Connect t-shirts. And we had the 10,000 rand in a stack, you know, in our hands. <laughs> yo, like just talking about my heart rate's going up again. I'm like, like PTSD. I'm uh, yo, sweating. Holding a lot of cash in South Africa. Sure, right? it was scary. So we come down, we park our cars. My, literally my heart rate's raised just thinking about this and we come down the stairs and suddenly someone shouts they're here and just pan around like you just see the videos chasing people jumping over tables and they just started gunning for us and i'm the smallest out of greg and brandon so they started gunning for me so i was just like okay every man for himself <laughs> i just started sprinting out just of throw it up in there no i started sprinting because i had to get the jam supplies because that's where the photographers were oh, and i wasn't going to waste ten thousand rand i getting you know the right like marketing exposure so we just start gunning for it. I'm running down these stairs with about 50 people hot on my tail coming for me. I come round by the library out to the door there. And as I come out, I look at a crowd of about 5,000 people wow. who all flip around, look at me, see my next t-shirt and this roar just goes up. You can hear it in the videos. And everyone just starts gunning for me. So then I like was like, Okay, this is hectic. So I start trying to throw it out and run, but then I'm getting like rugby tackled at this point. <laughs> I was like, nice Berta taking me down. <laughs> so I start chucking it out. And then I just like drop it like onto my computer. I had these trying to work my way through the crowd to get out of there. But then Greg and Brenda come around the corner and they start throwing it out. Everyone starts gunning for them. But I mean, generally it was just like... Did it work? It did work. I okay. mean, the people actually had a lot of fun. In terms of spending money, right? You got the the twelve million rand yes. round, and now suddenly you had achieved what's what's quite a landmark in the the kind of South African scene. Mm. What did you do with the money? I mean, because I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, they go certainly yeah. young startups. They're like, "What? Twelve million <laughs> bucks? That's so much money!" <laughs> you know. And uh, had your ship come in? Did you, were you guys like you know popping Bollingers? And, <laughs> I think one of the most dangerous things for a young startup is to get too much money without a plan. Like you don't ever want to have change that mindset of being scrappy and frugal and getting good ROI. Like we went from having, you know, 20 rand, you know, to put in a campaign to literally having like millions. Yeah. So you have to be very careful with that. And the most important thing is to plan for it. So we set out a very tight budget. We budgeted the entire thing. Um, per each quarter. Sure. I mean, okay, this is our marketing budget. This is the ROI we want to get from it. Like, it's not only our money anymore. We have a responsibility now to yeah. our shareholders sure. to get returned, to be very responsible. I mean, you know, we come across our brand is outrageous and it's fun and it's crazy, but underneath that, it's a very serious ethos. You know, we have a, a responsibility as, as directors and as shareholders, as entrepreneurs, to get a return for our shareholders. So we plan out the whole thing. We have a whole budget. Um, we sit there with our investors. They sign off on the budget saying, okay, this is what we're planning to do with marketing, with whatever it is. Um, most money goes into to hiring a team. So you want to get like a okay. really good team, expand that, uh, paying salaries, tax. Oh, tax is the worst. We had to start paying like tax on all that PAYE. 
Um, and and then, understanding that the, the whole, the sort of taxable elements of yeah. your business and being strategic about it. Yeah, Once you absolutely. start making money, that becomes a thing, right? Yeah, let me say it changed my entire political outlook when I started having <laughs> to pay tax. Yeah, please use my like, money wisely, Mr. President. Like, this is sure. horrible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so being responsible for budgets and then marketing, um, expanding our ops. As you grow your team, obviously it's cool because then you can have a broader reach, but then also your kind of like your overhead increases as well. Yeah, of course. So you have to get bigger office space, you know, kind of like the, the Monday things running a business. Everything office just scales space, up, Wi-Fi, including your expenses, right? Yeah, so. like, so expenses do scale up, but it's kind of just the nature of things. But I think keeping that day one mindset where you're like, every rand must count. Yeah, that's a, that's great advice. I, I, I have one last question for you, Alex, just in terms of, you know, there's a lot of um, entrepreneurs out there who might not have had the same background and, and uh, you know, education and opportunities that you you have. Is there any advice to you? that you have for entrepreneurs who, who are maybe not as established, who mm. a little bit more scrappy, who don't have like this. I mean, you have quite a, it's, it's quite a, like a sexy tech uh, sector that you're in at the moment. Yeah. But, but what about the guys out there that are in, in less kind of well-known, less hyped yeah. uh, sectors? Um, you know, it's a tough one. Hey? I think that, I think the most important thing, first of all, is to just like never give up. Like, Never, ever, 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 ever give up. Like persistence, just keep going at it. Like you will fail and you will like run into brick walls and you'll be like devastating source, but never yeah. give up. It is impossible to fail if you don't like, if you just don't stop trying. Like sure. always keep trying, always figure out, pivot a thousand times, keep going um, is like the main thing I'd say. Next, there is a lot of support, especially in Cape Town yeah. and Joburg. It's, it's harder in other cities and I think I'd like to see a lot more government support in other cities, but especially in Cape Town, there's a lot of support here with incubators, mm. with accelerators. Um, there's a lot of events happening and like, you know, sort of meetups and those are free to go to. Like there's one really good one, Indie Hackers or, you know, your, your startup grinds and going to these events, meeting people. And I found that like the, the class of, of entrepreneurs in South Africa and Cape Town are so welcoming and so open to like sharing their knowledge and their help and experience, you know, tweet at someone being like, Hey, can you meet for a coffee? And I mean, our partners like this all the time when we just people that want advice or want direction yeah. or whatever it is. And we can like sort of point in the right direction. There's blogs online about it. I think that never stop trying and find like, you know, places where there's, you know, there's experience and there's skills and there's knowledge and go engage there with that. Um, and you'll learn tricks. You'll learn, okay, cool. Actually, here's like, you know, uh, an office space where I can get subsidized for internet or, you know, here's like, you know, free office space or here's mentorship or here's guidance, here's programs yeah. where I can get, you know, a, a leg up where I can get, you know, whatever it is. Um, if it's stopping maybe equity for, for that office yeah, space. It's not only financial investment, I think. I think that's, that's a great mm-hmm. thing about what you're saying. The most beautiful thing that I've noticed in the entrepreneurial community is actually how generous everyone is to each other. Yeah, you know, there's definitely. a real sense of, bonding between you know this kind of shared values and mm. and shared mission 100%. that is starting to emerge that you know i think everyone realizes that all the ships in the harbor rise if we if we do this together 100 i think like a stronger economy makes everyone better and a stronger economy is underpinned by like good businesses i think like it all starts with having good like entrepreneurs to create businesses to create employment to like uplift an economy just like a side like a little small anecdote about this is that have you seen what happened digs connect now and so now you have these like almost like these like little economic ecosystems that are popping up around the universities based on the Digs Connect marketplace where you have 
homeowners that are creating student accommodation. You're unlocking thousands of beds across the country in safe, beautiful homes. People are making money. And then you have all these like secondary services popping up. Restaurants, cafes to feed the students. You have transport providers. You have hair salons. You have, you know, like coffee shops. All these places students want to spend money. They have money to spend on, you know, on coffees or on art or on films or, you know, hair salons, whatever it is. And all these businesses are now like, opening up around there. And then you start having these like flows of money happening in these areas. And it is so cool to see it because that's how you uplift a community then where you have like people actually working, you know, like money's going into the hands of these local entrepreneurs that are providing a service to students. And then these students that are having like, just like, you know, awesome experiences. And you try to think that so many students are dropping out of university. What can we do to make them, you know, pass the finish line to keep them there, you know, like, interested and, mm. and, and safe and happy and like just like in a good learning, living environment. Alex, it's, it's been so inspiring to, to hear your story and your insights and the lessons that you've gleaned along the way. Uh, I realize, I mean, it's, you know, it's obviously been quite a big year for you, but this is just the start of the journey and it's, uh, it's going to be exciting just to watch you, you guys grow. So congrats on the, the success so far and uh, long may it continue. Thank you so much. It's awesome being here. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Healthy Business Show. If you love this podcast, do let us know via social media, tag at discovery underscore essay. Use the hashtag DSY Healthy Business. And please do rate us on your favorite podcast platform, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your shows. You can also find more shows on the Discovery website at discovery.co.za forward slash corporate forward slash podcasts. Creating better businesses with Discovery Business Insurance. 